was the night before US CPI and PPI and all was well. We're saying that, we are seeing US equity markets grinding a little bit lower. We're seeing volatility fairly subdued. But can we kiss goodbye to all-time highs in the S&P and the NASDAQ as well? We're seeing commodities very much in focus as we see energy markets flying, specifically nat natural gas. And we're seeing gold finding few friends in this market, but can it last? We see the Australian dollar getting central focus from Blake and myself today. It's time to get in front of the charts. This is The Trade-Off. Well, hello, my name is Chris West. I'm head of research here at Pepstone, and I'm going to be joined by my good friend Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics in two seconds. And we're going to be discussing all the market news, all the theories that are going on, all the different setups, and, and some of the trades that we like, and obviously breaking down the news and digesting it and, and seeing where the probabilities lie in this market. Mr. Blake Morrow, I'm going to bring you into the program. Mr. Morrow, how are you going, my good friend? I want to point out two things. First of all, um, we've got this new lighting system in, in in the studio here, and I think unfortunately you can see all the blemishes on my on my face. Second thing is, is that um, I think it does also make me uh, much younger looking and youthful than than previously. So, so that's a nice improvement. The other factor is is that we were talking off air, and I just want to bring this to the viewers' attention that Blake and the, maybe most Americans out there call penalties in in football soccer PKs. <laughs> yeah, PKs. PKs. It's penalties. PKs, it's just penalties. It's a, no, it's a PK. It's a we know, we know. Not not you guys. We we know. No, we well, got knocked PKs. out the other day. It was an embarrassment, wasn't it? Awful. We it know. was quite embarrassing. Is it? Moving on. Moving on. Anyway, go on the uh, go on the Australians. Go on the English. Uh, hopefully, uh, we can make it through to next round. England beating Colombia in the in the women's world cup taking it through to to potentially play australia in in, in in the round after that one so that's going to be a edge of your seat moment to once to watch um and blake maybe you can wake up early and we can talk about that one next week as well we'll see what happens it's penalties mate. <laughs> gonna, it's penalties i'm gonna, I'm gonna watch the highlights it's penalties. i'll be watching the highlights buddy. it's penalties it's not pk's <laughs> come on mate pk <laughs> shootout pk shootout right. Come on. all right all right let's go into topical thunder <laughs> All right, equity moves. Let's bring in uh, the equity moves. Let's start there because, yeah, I think this week or last, or last week or the week before, we were talking about all-time highs, potential for all-time highs in the S&P, the NASDAQ. I think it's about 5% uh, from those levels. Obviously, we've now seen the tail end of earnings season. I know we can still wait for NVIDIA to come through at the back end of this month, and, and that may have some implications given its leadership in, in the NASDAQ. Um, but I think the, 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 the bulk of earnings are behind us. Um, we're missing a bit of a catalyst, I suppose. But yeah, we've seen... The S&P pull back a 3%. It's not a lot. Um, but we've seen in that decline, the VIX staying fairly fairly firm, around 16%. In fact, actually, last night we saw the S&P drop 0.7% in the cash market, but yet still yeah, the, the, the VIX actually fell as well, which is a weird dynamic to see. Uh, we're looking at those market internals that are playing through in the S&P. Uh, in that 3% decline, you've seen the number of stocks trading above their 20-day moving average dropping from 85% down to about 41%. So good participation on that on that drawdown that we've been seeing. Um, and the number of companies at four-week uh, lows at the moment have gone up from about 0% to about 26%, quarter of the market trading at four-week lows. So yeah, market internals have shown good participation on, on this pullback. Um, where do you where do you see the path now 
um, for, for you know, these various uh, global indices. I mean, I think for me, look, if we're looking at the US 500 or the S&P 500, that 50-day moving average is, is something that we're looking at just a little bit lower than where we are at the moment. And that's defined the trend really for, for a number of months now. So you know, I think that's been a good trend filter, I think, below that level. And, and people might even start looking at selling rallies uh, rather than buying dips. So that's a change of structure there. How are you seeing it, Blake? You know, I, I was I was just thinking. I don't know if we were actually taking a look at um, at, at the S and P today, which is weird. Seems like we do, you know, most weeks, especially weeks like this week where things look a little vulnerable. You know, I, I brought a chart a, a long time ago. It was probably a couple months ago that we had to start watching the uh, the equal weighted S and P um, index, and it, that's called the RSP. I think is the the ticker symbol. Anyway. It, it did break out. It was in a triangle, broke out, but it's actually retesting that. So that's something I'm watching. Um, but, you know, we've also been talking about some of the big names. I think last week we discussed Amazon, which Amazon beat and actually gapped higher. But the pr- weeks before we talked about Microsoft and and, and Apple, and, um, and I think Microsoft was a big one. Apple's actually rolled over. So some of the big generals are starting to get hit, and I think that's worth noting you know some of the big tech stocks are really starting to sh- you know show some signs of weakness so i i'm i'm still looking for distribution and i think right now you're seeing money move from from tech or big tech and you're seeing it moving into some dow components maybe some stocks that actually uh, uh yield some dividends but i think we need to start being a little bit more careful here especially that we're seeing the dollar perk up and we're going to mm-hmm. talk a lot about the dollar today because of everything else that's so wait, happening. So where are you saying? Are we, are we saying greater risks of lower levels, or, or do you think people are going to bounce back? Where's, where's putting a gun to your head, Blake? Where, where do you see the market going? Where's the risk? Just, just I think be- a little bit lower this. I think a little bit lower this month. I, you know, on my one of my videos that I did, I, I said, you know, selling may go away is actually still in effect, but it's selling August go away because if you if you're an asset manager, and this is very old school thinking, but a lot of the old school thinking would be, you know, you sell in May, you go off for a few months, take off the summer, take your holiday, come back. And when you come back early September, the markets are usually a little bit lower than where you were in May. And I think that 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 could actually play out this month, which means I think there's a little bit more downside this month. But remember, we are still in in in, in bullish territory. And I think even dips down to 4,200 in the S&P, are buying opportunities. Well, I just now. I put out. Um, I was looking looking to buy into the fifty day in in, in the US in the S and P five hundred as a play of the day last week. We haven't got there, so haven't got the feel. I'm I'm, I'm taking that off the table. I'm, I'm not. Okay, I think there's further downside here. CPI numbers. We can we can talk in, in, and we will talk right now. But um, the mm-hmm. big risk for me now is that Jackson Hole Symposium at the end of the month. I know we've still got a number of days until the end of the month, but. I think the market's underpricing the risks of what we hear from uh, from Jerome Powell from that, and and I think. Yeah, yield still could go a little bit higher, um, and and I think that that may permutate in, in lower levels. So yeah, I feel there's probably slightly greater downside risk. I don't think, I don't see a collapse in, in equity markets, but I do see slightly lower levels as as the base case at the moment. Yeah, me too. And I and I think uh, you know breakout levels are usually levels that get retested. The big breakout point was forty two hundred. I I think we could realistically uh, get down there. And and I think you also bring up. You know, a great topic of uh, of of our interim uh, Fed meeting, which is Jackson Hole, which, you know, let's turn it to our next topic because CPI and PPI actually will matter this week um, because it's really going to set the pace whether the markets believe the Fed is going to raise rates in September or not. 
I mean, that's really what it boils down to. You know, I, I, I've, I've talked to some traders. They're like, it doesn't matter. It's all priced in. And no, it's not. I don't think it's priced in at all. And I, well, it, it, it's, <laughs> there are things that are priced in, but I think tomorrow's report and PPI the following day could really solidify the idea that the Fed will indeed raise rates in September and probably give us a little bit more indication of whether the Fed's going to, you know, continue to stay steady as well. Um, you know, inflation to me, I think one of the one of the things that I've heard murmurings about, and I think uh, we should at least note here, we could discuss it, but uh, there's there's a feeling out there, there's a sense that a lot of central banks are not going to be targeting a two percent, you know. Uh, 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 inflation rate. You know, some central banks might settle for 2.5% or, you know, 2.4%, something a little higher. What are your thoughts about CPI going into tomorrow and producer prices, which has been, it's been a one-two punch, Chris. If you look at the last several releases, it's like, wham, you get hit one day and then the next day you get PPI or two days later and it moves the market. What are your thoughts here going into tomorrow? Well, I think one of the factors when we, when Jerome Powell speaks at Jackson Hole uh, at the end of the month is, is this idea about whether the, the real neutral rate is in, in the US and it's more of an academic thing, but it's way, it probably some people are suggesting that it's way higher than where it is and, and therefore you know, where, they, where they settle on um, policy longer term needs to be higher. Um, but in terms of the actual inflation number, I, I would be looking at the month-for-month clip on core. I think that's really where we are. I know everyone's focused on the fact that the that, that headline on a year-on-year basis is expected to, to push back up a little bit because of base effects and factors. But that's why we look at the month-for-month number now. And the market's looking for 0.2 of 1% on the core and actually the headline. Um, so I think, yeah, where do the risks lie? I did see that one bank uh, who canvassed their, their institutional clients said 75% um, of their respondents thought there was downside risks to that that core inflation number below 0.2 of a percent. If we look at the uh, you know, the various nowcast models that you get from Cleveland Fed, for example, they've actually got 0.4 of a percent, which is way hotter, double the, what they're expecting there. It was pretty poor at predicting last one. But yeah, for the playbook, I'm looking uh, on CPI and, and, and to an extent PPI. And again, yeah, that, that, that could be a really big input is, is 0.2% is what you're looking for. That's what the market's discounting. I think if you were to get a, a north of 0.3, certainly 0.4, the dollar's going to have a pretty good rally. You're going to see dollar yen breaking 144 equities, probably going under a little bit of pressure. Anyone who's telling you that September's priced in, we've got nothing priced. We've got about three basis points being priced for September. The market's saying it's not going to happen. So, yeah, maybe that becomes a little bit more live. But the November pricing for, for that is currently 36% chance of a hike there. That would probably move above 50% if we get above 0.4 of a percent, uh, above 0.3 of a percent. If we get downside risks, obviously we might get the dollar down, um, yeah, gold have a bit of a move and, and maybe you get a bit more upside in, in equities but i'd be looking at that month for month clip and that's what i'll be focused on is that what you're looking so at? any which way you slice it you any which way you slice it the dollar gold everything's in play over the next 24 48 hours so so you make sure you keep your head on a swivel uh folks hey i i wanted to i wanted to ask chris before we move on didn't um pepperstone reach a huge milestone uh just recently on the YouTube channel, <laughs> yeah, I was going to bring that up in the next one, but yeah, yeah, obviously, uh, it, well, not obviously, yeah, in, in YouTube, we just got a hundred thousand uh, viewers, so uh, subscribers, wow. sorry, so that's, uh, yeah, it's just been, it's on a bit of a tear, so yeah, 
thank you for everyone who's been subscribing there and I think also for people who are, who are watching us on Trading View as well because we stream it on that uh, we don't have 100,000 uh, subscribers on that yet so you know if you're looking at this do subscribe to to our channel going forward that'd be obviously great to see but uh Look, I think yeah, we, we've 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 seen some real interest in that, and, and I think hopefully this show is obviously resonating and some of the other stuff as well. So, hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube, it's good good to good to go. So, um, huge thank, number, huge number. Congratulations! Yeah, thank you for everyone for, for 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 following us on that channel. So, uh, hopefully thanks. we can uh, we can keep pushing that on and hopefully deliver good content for for viewers going forward as well. Uh, I want to bring it into the energy side of things. Um, uh, Blake, we've just seen crude prices trade to a, the highest level since November. Um, we've been talking about nat gas uh, for some time in terms of that setup. I've got a chart to show you later on. But yeah, we've seen a, a, a big bullish breakout in, in European natural gas prices. They're up 28%. US natural gas prices are just shy of three bucks. Um, you know, they're up nearly 7%. Um, and, and for me, that's that's what we've seen is obviously the Russian gas has, has been turned well not completely turned off but it's pulled right back and the flow into Europe um, so supply is already pretty tight but demand's obviously been whacked um, certainly in Europe um, because of yeah, the, the mild weather that we saw last winter and now we're looking forward to yeah the winter that, that could be in Europe and the UK and other places like that um, and we're watching that but what the new news is that we've seen these strikes playing out in Western Australia um, these various different LNG facilities you know Chevron and um, yeah, different facilities there, which probably equate to about 10% of global energy production. And and we don't know what those strikes are going to be like at the moment, how, how long they're going to go on for, if they go on at all. Um, and the duration will matter. So you're basically taking 10% of, of production out for a period of time. And I think the market's sort of front running that now. So we've seen yeah, big volatility playing for energy markets. We haven't seen much um, buying of, of, of inflation expectations, but yeah, what? How are you trading? Are you seeing any kind of trades that you like? Are you trading it through the uh, the Norwegian crown, for example? What are you seeing here? Well, first of all, um, and uh, I got a lot to say about energy. Um, crude's breaking out; it's above eighty four bucks, and it's trading above there, closed above there today. And uh, I, I've actually been trading long the dollar Canadian, as I've explained here over the last two weeks. And I've been, and I'm actually, I sold it uh, beginning of the week. And I already reloaded a little bit lower, so I'm trading long again. And the one thing I need to point out is even though crude is trying to break out, it hasn't had much of an effect on the Canadian dollar, which is a divergence of that relationship, which is something that obviously if the dollar, if, if we have strong CPI tomorrow and it comes in a little hotter, the dollar Canadian should uh, rip back up towards the weekly highs, which will be just around 135. That's how I'm playing it. I'm playing it for the fact that the Canadian dollar is just not participating. But there's another point I wanted to bring up with crude oil, nat gas, and everything else. You're taking a global economy that is being strained uh, aggressively already by inflation, and inflation over the last year, year and a half, two years, um, and you've got stubborn, stubbornly high energy costs, whether you're talking about driving you know, your, your, your fossil fuels, whether you're talking about heating your home, um, just these costs are getting to a point where, you know, when crude oil gets to these levels, it starts to become uh, more of a, instead of a rallying with risk, it becomes more of risk negative. So I, I think we finally hit that inflection point right around this $80, $84, somewhere around this level. I think if you start to see crude really rally and you start to see it trade up towards 85 to 90, I think stocks 
and risk in general are not going to like that. I think you're right. I think you're right. I like natural gas higher, um, but I think you make a good point, and that is that, you know, when we were getting into 60 bucks, when oil prices were trading higher, actually we saw risk come into the market. Um, now mm-hmm. I think there, there could be a tipping point. I, I don't think this is going to become a problem inflation until we get Brent crude and WTI crude above 100 bucks. I think we saw it some way, but I think the market's going to get a little bit nervous now that we've broken out. If we can sustain that breakout, we create a new trading range. You know, is this the point now where where equity markets sell off because of that? that that's an interesting dynamic, and we'll, we'll check the, the, the you know, obviously price action will tell us a bit more about that. All right. You know, Chris, this is perfect. Let's talk about trading the summer time markets, the summer doldrums, if you will. And and I and I thought we'd take this segment and really discuss it because this is where experience actually matters. And, you know, we've been with you now. I think this might be our second summer, but typically around the months of July and August, people tend to take time away. I have a couple of my partners from Forex Analytics that happen to be off on holiday. And that's typical of this industry. So you have to employ different trading strategies during this time of the year. So I wanted to just take a moment, talk a little bit about it and and give you some expectations and maybe some tips and tricks that really helped me as a trader over the years. So let's, first, first and foremost, let's talk about patience. You know, you have to be really patient in this market and in and, and, and any market, but especially when you're trying to trade around the summers. You know, this is where I like to, I, I like to, employ what's called target trading. What I mean by that is like, let's say I'm I'm looking at a chart and I'm like, okay, look, if crude gets back to 80, that's an ascending trend line. I want to participate and be long if it dips back down to 80. If it never dips to 80, I'm not going to participate. But if it gets there, that's where I want to be long because I plan the trade. I'm going to trade my plan. So I do a lot of target trading this time of year, not looking for massive amounts of volatility, but trying to imagine where I think things are going to go and just participate at those levels. Also, be cognizant of key events. I mean, you could take the whole week off and say, you know, I'm, and which I have a lot of traders that have. They're like, you know, I'm I'm just going to stick around, you know, for CPI. I'm going to take the first couple of days off this week, come back for CPI because that's where the volatility is going to happen. So if you're you kind of navigate around those key events, I think that that helps. Also, lack of follow through. You know, if you're trading this time this time of the year, don't expect the moves to be as big and broad. You know, you get a little you get a little scalp and you make some money, take it and run. You know, the follow through just most of the time is not is not there cuz you just don't have the participation of the whole market. But those are some tips and tricks that I wanted to mention around summer trading. How about you, Chris? Is there anything that that you would you'd like to you know, share with the traders. I think you made some great points, and uh, yeah, thanks for Blake's school day. Um, because yeah, there's there's, there's <laughs> some tidbits. I, I I personally wouldn't be changing. I don't change my strategies. You know, if I'm trading a momentum strategy, um, you know, I, I'm not going to change it for for market conditions. The yeah, the, the strategy, you know, is the strategy. Um, but like I, I yeah, the, what you're talking about is, is is quite different from from what I would do in the market. I think that the one thing that that, that I took out. And I think it's absolutely essential is that patient situation. You know, like I, if I'm running a rules based strategy on on a momentum strategy, um, yeah, patience is is it, patience is dictated by the rules, right? It's a, you only trade when 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 the setup's there or the flow's there or the moves there, and and that's the same in, in all trading. If you take the nat gas move, which we'll talk about in a second, I mean, we've been waiting for ages for it to break out. If you had bought, um, you know, you would have been subject to to to, to market moving lower. 
you just got to wait. You've got to wait for the market to reveal its hand, and and I think that's a really really clear situation. So, yeah, patience in trading is 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 there. You've got to wait for the market to show. You know what? This is this is this is the trade. It's the the flow has, has suggested this is going to happen, um, and it's increased our probability of a, of a further move. Um, and I think that that that's a really good point. So some great some great comments there. And I think for anyone who's watching this and wants to understand a little bit more more, more about mar- target trading and and what Blake's doing, do reach out to him and, and and the guys at Forex Analytics to to look at some of that stuff. So I think that's um yeah, it's a really interesting way of thinking about how yeah we're working the season. I I don't adjust my my strategies to these situations, but I'm sure a lot of people out there would say you know that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, do reach out to Blake if if that, if that resonates with you. Anyway, let's go to let's go let's go to the setups that matter. That's a setup. Well, the first one I want to bring up, and it's going to be a bit of a bit of an Aussie dollar flavour, uh, is Euro Aussie. Now we talk about patience, and this is another one that really goes at it because, you know, obviously in FX markets, Blake, we're so used to sort of mean reverting moves. Mean reversion happens so much more in FX markets than we see in, say, agricultural commodities, even indices, for example. Um, but we are, yeah. What we're seeing now in Euro Aussie is this breakout. You know, we, we've seen it testing that top end of the range, uh, and it and actually closed above that level. Now I. I I think from a from a te- from a fundamental perspective, um, you know, you can talk about what's happening in the Australian economy, but you can also use the Australian dollar as a China proxy. We saw those awful, awful trade numbers, both on an import basis and an export basis. Yeah, imports uh, from the US from China is is dropped twenty three percent year on year, uh, and the Australian dollar has been moving along. And and you know, I think dollar CNH continues to be a major driver of, of the Aussie dollar. But now we've got that close above there. The question is. Can it kick on? Can it kick on? Or are we going to get another failed breakout that we're so often seeing in FX markets? I think this is going to go long. Um, do I know it's going to kick on? Absolutely. Of course, I don't. Um, but that's why so many of these fail. And then you cut out very quickly. But if it wants to kick up, you've got to be in that market. So can this kick up, Blake? That's why I'm asking you a question. Uh, well, I like it. I, you know, I'm, I actually like the, the the not only the Euro Aussie, I like the Sterling Aussie or the Pound Aussie. I like them both. But, you know, if you connect those lows just and just put a, a simple trend line across the lows, then you do it across the highs, you actually have an ascending channel. And so that actually suggests that we're going to go a lot higher in the Euro in, in the Euro Aussie. Now, obviously, this is a, this is a risk on risk off uh, type of trade as well. So mm. I think it's going to do better. Should stocks be a little weaker, you're going to see the Aussie dollar trade a little heavier than the euro. So, um, but but you know, if stocks bounce and we get a nice wicked bounce because we got a, a, a lower CPI tomorrow and producer prices come in a little 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 weak, hey, stocks will bounce and we might get that false breakout. So I think you got to a follow the euro Aussie, but you're right, you got to be on the lookout for a false break and I think it's going to follow risk so yeah, yeah. be watching I, risk as well I like it high but you know you just got to cut, you've got to cut that losses really really quickly another one to look at Aussie Swiss it's been in a beautiful channel for some time now uh, and it's a nice segue we'll take it in Aussie Swiss I think that breaks down through 57.57 uh, 0 spot 57 then, then I think that, that that's got a lot yeah, further downside. So Aussie Swiss has been a really good performer to the downside. I think that's another one you've got to have a look on there. But the Aussie looking pretty weak at the moment. I think China obviously uh, the, the forefront there. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn your attention over to uh, my first setup, which would be the dollar Swiss or the Swissy. Now, um, I'm I'm playing counter trend here, and I'm not long. So I just want to let you all know this is a setup. It's a pennant, 
And last week, I actually blogged about this and I said, I'm going to short it when it gets close to 88 cents. Got to 88 cents. I shorted it. I only made like 30 pips or something like that because I was just playing it back in the direction of the trend, letting it test the breakdown point. I traded it short and it bounced right back. But notice how it's consolidating gains. And when you get a consolidation of gains, that means you're probably setting up in a bull flag, a bullish pennant like you see here, which all we need, the final ingredient is we need some more dollar strength. That would be with a stronger CPI reading or a stronger producer prices reading or even a stronger dollar reaction following the next couple of days data. I think if we break, break back above 88 cents or 88.20 rather, that'll actually take us to the channel resistance and then maybe even further than that. Yeah. So Chris, I like the dollar Swiss and I, I'm leaning long and it is a setup. What are your thoughts? I like here? it because you know what you're doing is you're not trading ahead of the news. You're going to let, wait for the news to come through. And if we do get a hotter CPI number and the dollar reacts, we get front end yields moving up. You've got a completion of the pattern, which is obviously what you want. So you've got the news coming through, which drives the completion of the pattern. If weak, you'll get a weaker CPI number, then you're going to get it lower and you haven't traded. So I, I think this is a, I think it's a nice trade. You, you wait for that. You react to the news. This goes higher if we get a hot CPI number and you've got a beautiful looking you know, uh, continuation pattern playing through. So I think it's a great trade and we're just waiting for the facts to come through. We're going to react to the facts and you've got that setup which shows you know, a high probability into the top end of the channel. So obviously that's uh, I, I really like this trade as well. But I, I do sit in the camp that, that if we were to, again, we come back to this fall every single time and that is ask yourself, do we get a bigger reaction in the US dollar on an above expectation CPI print, or do we get a, a bigger negative reaction on a below one? And I, I think that's the way to look at the risk in this situation. We're looking at positioning, market expectations around rates. And I think expectations are for a lower print. Um, the market short dollars. Um, and I think, you know, from that perspective, the pain trade would be for a, a much higher. Um, and I think, therefore, I think we get a bigger reaction to the upside in the US dollar on a beat or, or an upside surprise in, in CPI than if we were to get a lower CPI print and the reaction in the US dollar. I hope that makes sense. It, does that does that resonate with you? Pen, the, the pain trade is always the trade. And, and you're right. Uh, people right now are short of dollars. They're long. Still, I, you look at, you know, some of the positioning data, you know, everybody's still short dollars, even yeah. even after the euro's corrected 300 pips. So one quick yeah, fact, I, and I'm going to bring I, it to a viewer, Clyde, Christian, 137 pips, uh, basis points of cuts being priced in next year. It's staying there, it's staying there. The Fed can tell us they're not going to look to cut um, anytime soon, but the market still believes. And that, 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 that could be, we get a hot CPI number, something that the market looks at very closely. Anyway, last week, what we did was we looked at, um, we, we brought, you know, Bray Blake and I bring a couple of charts out there, uh, and we're going to throw this out to, to, to two viewer questions, two, two, two charts. And we've got uh, one on, on the gold price there. So if we can bring that up, you can see Aussie Trader. G'day, Aussie Trader. And uh, yeah, he writes, uh, what's, what's look at the best gold play? I'm just reading off the charts here, so you're watching my wandering eyes. What's the best gold setup continuing a possible reversal in yields due to a clear credit squeeze, recession fears mounting, and US bonds becoming attractive again? Appreciate your weekly trade-off. Thank you very much, Aussie Trader. That's a great question. Now, I'm going to bring this up because what I've done, Blake, and this I don't know if you've got any views on this as well, but um, I, I don't necessarily think that we're going to see a reversal in, in yields and, and, and maybe... Um, and recession fears, 
but you know, to, to answer the question, if we were to see that happen, I don't see uh, that happening myself anytime soon. Um, but if we were to see it happen, uh, I think if we were to see rising recession fears and we were to see equity markets lower as a result of that, then then I think, yeah, the best play is going to be short Australian dollars. Um, uh, and I think if we were to see gold being a hedge against that recession risk, you know, upside, then of course you want to be long gold in the weakest currency, which again continues to be the Australian dollars. Uh, so I think this would be the play for me to answer Aussie traders' question. What's the best setup? What's the best trade for rising recession fear Lower yields, um, and you know, to 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 get into the gold price for me, it's it's it would be long uh, gold in Australian dollar terms. What what do you think about that one? Uh, first of all, I my, I don't I don't well I don't have anything to say about the, the uh, gold in Australian terms. Uh, gosh, that sounds like Dennis Gartman, like the old Dennis Gartman. You remember him? I remember. Anyway, him. Uh, <laughs> I want to do but, corn in but, some, in uh, in the the Sudanese. I'm going to buy corn. <laughs> Corn in Russian terms and yeah. ruble terms. What? What? Anyway, um, but I will say this: both gold and Aussie is trade. They're they're both trading really heavy right now. And I think you're right. If there are recession fears, gold should outpace the Aussie. That's just the way it should work. I would think. Well, you just price it. If you want to go, if if you you can you can keep life real simple, which most of our clients do. And then they just trade gold in US dollar terms, and it's just the default position XAU USD, <laughs> right? I mean, that's just it. But if if you want to get if you yeah. want to complicate things and go double bubble and get bang for your buck, yeah, ideally we offer gold in different currency terms, you know, sterling yen, uh, euro, uh, Swissy, a few other currencies, and and so from a simplistic perspective. You buy gold in the weak, in what you perceive to be the, the future weakest currency, and if you want to short gold, you can do it in what we consider to be the strongest currency. So that's where we are. Um, if you like gold and you want to max out that effect in in a recession, because gold works really well in a recession, rising uh, chance of rate cuts. You know what is going to be the weakest currency for me? It would be the Australian dollar in that in that vein, um, because global growth slowing down. Um, the dollar, US dollar, should should work quite well. Uh, so that's that. Hopefully, that answers the question. That 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 would be the 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 interest one there as well. So uh, yeah, Blake, uh, over to you, mate. All right. Well, we we got the next next setup, and this actually comes from one of our other viewers. Uh, and Mike, thanks for uh, thanks for uh, uh, writing this one or asking this one. He said, "Awesome show, guys. I think the Aussie N could be a good one to play. Looks like we may see a brief drop below the 200-day moving average." Then it'll be interesting to see where the setup goes from there. Mm, so, uh, you know, I'm I'm glad you brought the Aussie yen, uh, and and again, this is where Chris, we we we're going to be a little bit more Aussie centric. Yeah. You know, I think the Aussie yen is going to be a clear reflection of risk appetite or risk aversion following the next couple of days. Mm. How does the market respond? How does it take in this inflation data? Now, I think your eye is keen to to notice the 200-day moving average because. A week and a half ago or two weeks ago, we spiked down there and we got a hell of a reaction from the 200 DMA, which is the bottom of this channel. You can see that bottom arrow. I think if we break back below the 200 DMA and we get a, 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 a heavy close below that, it's going to trade lower. That means we probably are seeing stocks come under pressure as well. The flip side to that is if, if we get an Aussie yen rally towards the 50 DMA, which is my other moving average, which happens to also coincide with channel resistance, I think if it breaks that, you got a really nice bullish breakout. So that's how I'm looking at the Aussie yen. And it happens to be in the middle of the range. So I have no 
I have no bias at yeah, this moment. But right. Chris, how are you seeing the Aussie end right now? Well, I think your, your no bias is the right one. So again, comes back to our idea about patience. Let the market push you into a trade and increase that that probability within a distribution. And right now, that bit that distribution is so normal in terms of it could go either way that 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 you can't really unless you're trading on lower time frames. Um, yeah, this is this is one that just yeah it could go up to the top of the channel. Um, yeah, I'm 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 a waiter. Um, yeah, I think this is one you can have on the radar. Wait for the market to come for you. I think if it breaks top side of that, yeah, what could really be just the mother of all bull flags there, then then you've got huge upside. Yeah. Uh, obviously, downside. You've shown that that 200-day moving average. You can see it through February. You can see it through May or uh, April. It has been a, a level that the market's looked at pretty closely in terms of a trend filter, and you know the, we've been yeah we've been respecting that level again. So that has significance, but it also has the bottom of the channel. So really good setup from Mike in terms of where this can go. It's not something that's going to resolve itself overnight. It's going to take a while, but when it does, I think that could be very very meaningful for for a potential trend in the market, which of course I like. I love trends. I love the idea of of, of latching onto one. Um, so this is one that you just keep a cheeky beady eye on, um, unless your strategy is to sort of. It, you like that sort of choppy flow. Um, and I think this is a great one. So thanks to Mike uh, for bringing it. And Aussie Trader as well. And for anyone out there who who has uh, a setup that they like and, and want Blake to and myself to, to, to look at it, but also yeah, to, to put out into the trading room, into the comments. And, and so for all of us to, to sort of give our, our, our own view, like work it in a kind of Discord kind of fashion in a way. Put your setups there. What do you want us to cover? Um, and also give your own views, and, and maybe other people can comment on that as well. Let's create, let's let's uh, let's go through these trades together and, and and see what's on the radar there as well. Anyway, let's go to play of the day. Right, well, I'm bringing up that the bad boy natural gas. You got to be a crazy, you got to be a bit of a crazy cat to uh, to be to be trading that gas because the vol is there and you know it can you can have these big moves so obviously yeah when you are trading these markets do consider your leverage do consider your risk management how far you know you want to take on terms of risk and your stop loss because these can have some punchy moves look it comes down to my theory about breakouts you know you, you I know if you take that high low to range that we've been seeing throughout the year it's it's about 30 odd percent so it's, it's a decent range it looks cunningly um like it's a tight range but yeah you've still got a decent percentage but what we've seen is it is it has there has been this suppression of volatility um you can see the bollinger bands recently have been really really tight and because it's just been coiled for so long you know when it does break out it can be very very powerful so if you're a cta fund at the moment if you're a trend follower you've got this on the radar trends start with breakouts they always start with breakouts whether you're using a keltner band a bollinger band you know whatever denolchin channel whatever you're using it starts with a breakout and and you don't know if that breakout's gonna is, is gonna materialize. You have no idea, of course you don't, but you're buying outliers within a distribution and you need to be in it and your job then is to hold. You need to hold that that position. And that's where having a systematic or mechanical uh, stop loss can be very, very helpful. This has had the breakout. It's tra trading above all these different factors. The short-term moving averages are moving up, price is above there. It's done everything I want now. I'm, you know, I'm gonna be long this. Um, yeah, it might fail, and often a lot of so many of these do fail, which is why in trend following you have such a, a low win loss ratio, thirty to forty percent is not uncommon. Um, and this, yeah, but but if it kicks, you have got to be in there, um, and and so yeah, I, I like this higher, um, and I want to be long this uh, for yeah higher levels. Of course, it comes down to the the duration of strikes in Western Australia. I think in the short term, um, but yeah, I, I want to be in this one. It's broken out. I want to be involved, and I think we go higher here. What a pretty chart, Chris. It really is. Thanks, wow. man. <laughs> um, when 
Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, so uh, my my play of the day is actually going to be silver because I think it's a little tarnished here. Now, before you all get crazy and excited about silver and, you know, some of you might get a little offended. Yeah, I, I am looking for a 10% decline from here uh, for us eventually to go from 22 bucks to 20. But let me tell you, I am a buyer on dips in precious metals. I do think that gold and silver are trading both heavy right now. As Chris mentioned, you know, if 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 we do get into a recession, precious metals are going to start to perform a little bit better. It's not going to happen anytime soon, I think is, it? is probably yeah. Well, and you know, it might be more of a risk of uh, you know the second half of this year. So so in the meantime, though, in the meantime, we're we have snapped an ascending trend line. You can see we're below the two hundred day moving average. That that's that red moving average. And right now, the one hundred and sixty one percent extension takes us down to that red ascending trend line. Which, by the way. It is the low from the post-COVID lockdown lows in 2020 to the lows in 2022 all come in right around 20 bucks. So if you're a silver bull or a precious metal bull, $20 might be a huge, huge uh, pivot level for you. And in the meantime, you know, you got you to respect the fact that we're seeing a little bit of a bearish breakdown right now. Yeah. So I like silver short now, but, you know, 20 bucks would be a would be a place for long. Love this as well. Love it. I concur completely. I think this is further downside risk. We've got two pretty crazy high beta um, commodities there. You know, silver will have 4% move when gold has 1.5% move. So again, both of those, you need to understand the risk that's involved in, 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 in these higher beta markets. Obviously, consider that if you're trading on leverage. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a great trade. And I mean, look, go, go look at gold at the moment in euro terms. It's down like seven or eight, uh, six or seven days in a row now. You know, they're, they're, the markets are making lower lows. They're, there's not a huge amount of buyers stepping into the gold markets and, and the silver markets there. But yeah, I think um, maybe that changes longer term. But uh, right now, the short term, the flow is down. Uh, and I, I like that trade uh, on the short side of silver as well um, so we'll see where that goes anyway thank you everyone for watching it today if you've watched this far smack that like button we really really appreciate that and the comments leave us your charts for the days uh, we will look at those we'll pick two two of the better ones um, and obviously if people want to sort of comment on other people's charts go nuts we'd love to see that as well anyway we'll see you next week for more of the trade-off